happy December. My name is Jody Hickerson. I'm one of the teaching pastors around this place. I love, love, love being part of this community. And guys, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Right? For obvious reasons. I think I've got a picture of why this is um, so obvious. Kentucky basketball is playing right now, guys. Um, I know you care so much, right? Um, actually, my blood pressure spiked yesterday, and they broke my heart because they lost. This is not a picture from yesterday, uh, but I still love my team, and you can jump on this bandwagon. Uh, it is the most wonderful time of the year. You can take that down, not because of Kentucky basketball, even though I love college basketball season, and you're welcome to join me in that. It is the most wonderful time of the year because this is the time of year that we celebrate, right? Angels showing up in a night sky and saying, hey, don't, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. A Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem. Like we celebrate that God showed up, that our Savior has come, and this is good news, great joy for all people. We're starting this series today called Why in the World? Because it's like, why in the world did he come? Why in the world would Jesus, who, who was fully God, leave heaven, wrap himself in our flesh, come to this planet in the middle of our chaos and our pain and our brokenness and our confusion? Why in the world did he come? And there are a lot of reasons, and we're going to look at three of them over this series, over the next few weeks. Um, why in the world he came? He came to fulfill the law, to seek and to save, and to bless the world. And what I'm praying for all of us is as we, we dive into this series, and these, these three weeks, that we would gain a better understanding of who he really was, and what his why really was, and how his coming 2,000 years ago actually impacts our lives today. So today we're looking at this, you know, Jesus came to fulfill the law. That was one of his whys. And honestly, uh, this is not something we can really cover in a 25-minute message because this is like how the whole Bible comes together. This is the, the history of the Bible. How it comes together is through Jesus and this, him fulfilling the law. But we're going we're gonna to dive in, okay? And we're going to look at a ton, a ton of scripture today. Um, so I just wanted to highlight, I know Taylor talked about it, um, the, the message notes, this interactive sermon notes on the app. That might be a tab that's helpful today, um, either to follow along right now or to take notes or even just to get on later and, and be able to see all of the scripture um, that we're going to look at uh, today. But let's jump in. I don't know if you know this, but when Jesus walked the planet, he was always getting heat from religious people, especially religious leaders, because he did things so differently. And who he hung out with was different. And the things that he said, they're always accusing him of like blasphemy, of being a drunkard, a glutton, a sinner. Like, why did he hang out with sinners? He was a heretic. He was always breaking religious, the religious law of the time. So one day when Jesus was teaching and a bunch of these dudes were around, he addresses this misunderstanding. And he says to them, and he, do, he does it with a bombshell, you know, Jesus fashion. He does it with a bombshell. He addresses this misunderstanding by saying, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. I'm not trying to get rid of them. But to fulfill them. Like Jesus was claiming, no, it's, it's me. Hi. It's me. I am the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets. Everything that has been written before me I'm here. 
So what does that mean? What it means, first of all, is that it was a new day. Because you see, there was a promise of a Savior coming that had been around for a long, long time, thousands of years. All throughout the Old Testament, there are these whispers that a Messiah would come. And these happened because God would speak to these guys called prophets. We see this all throughout the Old Testament. God would speak to these guys um, called prophets, and they would speak uh, on behalf of God to the people. And we see it all throughout the story, but specifically towards the end of the Old Testament, you see these little bitty books. If you, if you, you know, hit your Bible in the middle and you see these little bitty books and they are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah. You see all these prophets speaking to the people on behalf of God. And they wrote this down. This is what God is speaking to me. And sometimes they would warn people to turn from their ways Sometimes they would be reminding people of God's relentless love, but also they would point to the future. They would say, God is telling me, don't, don't worry. A day is coming where a Messiah will come. The promised one is coming. A savior will come. A deliverer is coming. Listen, over 300 of these detailed prophecies these guys wrote down about a someday coming Messiah. This one um, from Micah, where it was written 750 years before Jesus was born. And it says, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephratah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel will come from you, one whose origins are from the distant past, where he would be born. Isaiah and, and Malachi talk about a voice in the wilderness that would prepare the way for this promised Messiah. And we see later, years and years later, this dude in the wilderness, John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus. Several prophecies from Zechariah um, and, and others that he would be betrayed by 30 pieces of silver. Like that specific someday. Passages that talk about the Messiah dying with his hands and feet pierced, that he would come from the genetic line of David. I mean, I don't know how you plan that out. But prophecies like this one, this was written 700 years before Jesus was born about how he would die. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weakness he carried, our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before his shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal, and he was put in a rich man's grave. I mean, Beautiful, amazing, detailed, specific prophecy given to these guys from God that they wrote down so that when the story unfolded and Jesus showed up, God wanted all people to know it's him. Like he's here. The waiting is over. It is a new day. 
We're not waiting for a Messiah anymore. He has come. And I don't know, you know, what you think when you hear that. Maybe you think, well, that's just maybe a lot of, a lot of coincidence. But I'm just telling you, what are the odds? I'll tell you the odds of you getting the flu this year are 1 in 10. Uh, the odds of you getting your ID stolen, 1 in 33. The odds of you rolling snake eyes in a Vegas, you know, craps table, 1 in 36. The odds of you hitting a slot machine jackpot, 1 in 262,144. The odds of you becoming a billionaire, 1 in 790,000. The odds of you making it to the NBA, I'm so sorry, uh, 1 in 6,864,000. The odds of becoming president, 1 in 10 million. Um, but man, if you're a good person, maybe try. I don't know. Uh, the odds of you dying in a vending machine accident, 1 in 112 million. The odds of a meteorite, a meteorite landing on your house, 1 in 180 quadrillion. The odds. What are the odds of 300 prophecies written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus shows up being fulfilled in him, in one man? Dr. Peter Stoner, a scientist and professor of uh, mathematics and astronomy at Westmont College, calculated that the probability of just eight, eight of these prophecies being fulfilled in the life of one man, that probability is one in 10 to the 17th power, or one in 100 quadrillion. And keep in mind that Jesus didn't fulfill eight prophecies. The chances of him um, fulfilling 16 rises to 1 in 10 to the 45th power. When you get to 48, it increases to 1 in 10 to the 157th power. Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies. This is the staggering evidence that has led so many people over the, the, the last 2,000 years to believe. To believe that he was who he said. He was the promised one from God, the Messiah, the Savior. He fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophets. He was who he said he was. And man, it was a new day. And listen, the moment that you believe in faith that Jesus was who he said he was, it will be a new day for you. It changes everything. It is good news that brings great joy to all people. Jesus fulfilling the law also meant that there was a new covenant Okay, so in the Old Testament of the Bible, this is God's story, right? We're looking at the Bible. This is God's story. History is his story. So God makes a covenant with his people. It's a promise that God makes with people to have relationship with them. But because God is holy and people are messed up, he's got to set up a system that they can even be in relationship. And so God set up a law for the people to obey. Y'all remember the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments comes from that. He set up a system. He set up a way for messed up people to be in relationship with a holy God. And for centuries, this is how people interacted with God. They followed this way. And get this, people even added like more laws and more religious laws because they're like, well, if we follow these laws, maybe if we follow more laws, we'll get even closer to God. Anyway, it was all built on this system, this law. But when Jesus shows up, this is the New Testament of the Bible. He says, yeah, I came to fulfill all that. I am the fulfillment of all that. So through Jesus, now there's this new covenant from God on how we're going to have relationship with him that now Jesus is the way for messed up people like us to have a relationship with God. And that is good news. Let me just walk through some of the good news. This is the difference between the old covenant um, that we used to have with God and the new covenant because of Jesus. And here's where a bunch of scripture is going to be. So check this out later on the app. Um, but in the old covenant, people get made right with God by keeping the law. That's how they kept that relationship. In the new covenant, we're made right with God by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3, obviously, 
The law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. It's new. It's a new covenant. In the old covenant, a religious law required circumcision. Sorry, uh, guys. Uh, but this was, the, this was the outward sign of like being made clean. But in the new covenant, it's all about our hearts. It's about our repentance. It's about what's getting cut away in here. It's about an internal transformation. Romans 2, for he is not a real Jew, and the Jewish people are those following God, who is one outwardly, nor is true circumcision something external and physical. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. A true circumcision is circumcision of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the fulfillment of the letter of the law. His praise is not from men, but from God. When something happens on the inside of us, that's what is impressing God. Paul writes this, As for me, may I never boast about anything except for the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. In the old covenant, forgiveness from sin came from offering sacrifices to God, right? He set up this system. There's a whole sacrificial system. Something had to die because of our sin. So lambs or goats or bulls had to be offered up. In the new covenant, forgiveness from sin comes from accepting the sacrifice of Jesus. Hebrews 10, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifice would have stopped for the worshipers would have been purified once and for all time and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year, for it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. And he says, look, I've come to do your will. And he cancels the first covenant in order to put into a set, the second one into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Under the old system, the blood of goats and, and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonially impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of his eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people so that all who are called can receive an eternal inheritance that God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sin they had committed under the first covenant. You see how this is real good news when Jesus shows up? In the old covenant, there was an earthly high priest 
And this, this high priest had access to this place called the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And that's where the presence of God would show up. And they could only go in, only then, on behalf of all of the people to mediate for the people with God. This was the way that God set it up. Under the new covenant, Jesus is our high priest. And he mediates for us, giving us, check this, giving us an all-access pass to relationship with God. To come to God now and forever, to, to know his presence, to actually be with him. Hebrews 7, there were many priests under the old system for death prevented them from remaining in office. That's funny. They, they kept dying, so we had to get some new ones, right? But Jesus lives forever. His priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who, to, who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day for they did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once and for all. When he offered himself as a sacrifice for the people's sins, the law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made the perfect high priest. Romans 8, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to that old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. In the old covenant, the presence of God could be accessed there in the tabernacle. And there was this, this huge sacred place and there was this huge curtain that separated the rest of the tabernacle from where God's presence dwelled in the Holy of Holies. And it was, like I said, only the high priest that could go behind that curtain just once a year. But in the new covenant, because of Jesus, we are the temple of God. We receive the Holy Spirit of God. When we accept what Jesus has done for us, we get God with us, like we just sang. John 14, before Jesus was crucified, all of this he says to his followers, I have spoken while I'm still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. He's coming to live with you. And then on the cross, as Jesus is dying, he cried out again in a loud voice and he gave up his spirit. This is as he is dying. And at that moment, check this, the curtain of the temple just ripped in two from top to bottom, saying there's no separation anymore. You can come to God now. And as the church began to, to explode and people started putting their faith in Jesus, this is, what, this is what they were teaching. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a big deal. That because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God is available to us now. We get that kind of relationship now to guide us, direct us, comfort us, teach us, lead us, empower us, and get this, never leave us. You may ignore him. You may quench him. You may grieve him. He will never leave you. Good news. Great joy for all people. Jesus coming, it was a new day, and he established a new covenant, which is Real good news for messed up people like us. Um, and he laid down a new law. 
Remember how Jesus said at the beginning in Matthew 5.17, he didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And part of this fulfillment was like to bring a more complete understanding of what the law of God was really even about and what it means to really fulfill it. Because you see, the religious people of the day um, and the religious leaders, and sometimes we get into this, right? It's all about keeping the rules, keeping the rules, keeping the rules, keeping the rules. And they had kept all the rules. They were actually keeping extra rules. They were doing a lot of good things, and they were staying in check, and they didn't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do, you know? They were, they were, they were good. But as Jesus points out to them many times, and usually he's pretty frustrated with them because he's like, you are missing it. He points out to them that they were being good without doing good for anyone. They were good for goodness sake. So right after Jesus says, hey, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. He starts talking about the law, but, but he starts giving a more full picture. And so for the next several verses, he goes on to say, hey, you've heard it said, but I tell you. Like you've heard it said, don't murder, but I tell you, if you're angry with someone or you look down on someone else or, or you don't forgive someone else, you're subject to judgment. He's like up in the ante. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman uh, lustfully is subject to judgment. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye. I tell you, turn the other cheek. You've heard it said, love your, love your neighbor and, and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. And what Jesus is doing is like, do you guys want to get the full picture of the law? This is what the heart of God is about in the first place. And it seems like he's adding to it. And they're like, oh, we got more things to, more things to do. But he's not adding to it externally like they were used to. He's adding to it internally. And he's adding to it relationally. Because like the song says that we sing around this, this time of year, Oh, Holy Night, his law is love. His law is love. He laid down a new law from the words of Jesus, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The new law is not a checklist and it's not earning or striving to get in with God. We've got that through what Jesus has done in the new covenant. The new law is about how we live out being his real followers. Because you see, even though we're not, you know, religious leaders that lived 2,000 years ago, we can get caught up, can't we, in being good without doing good for anyone? Like it's possible to stay out of trouble and do nothing for someone who is having trouble. It's possible to be, you know, financially responsible and selfish. It's possible to be self-controlled and judgmental. It's possible to be careful personally and un caring. It's possible to be right, but unsympathetic. It's possible to keep your hands clean without offering anyone else a hand. We can make our list and check it twice and miss the heart of what it is to follow Jesus. He has given us a new command, laid down a new law, and his law is love. Galatians 6, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will what? Fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 13, 10. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
The commandments, you should not commit adultery, you should not murder, you should not steal, you should not covet, and whatever other command there may be, are all summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you, and greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends, which is exactly what Jesus did for us. His big why was his great love for us. Listen, as we kick off this Christmas season, I just, I just want to encourage us to have faith, to believe that he was who he said he was, who all the prophets said would come. And when he showed up, it was a new day. And we get an astounding New covenant to be in relationship with God that is sealed by his blood. And now we live out the law of love. And man, if you're here today and you're not like really sure what you believe about Jesus, I just want to encourage you that the journey of faith is like worth going on. And when you come to maybe believe that Jesus is real, it will be a new day for you. Because when you place your faith in him and when you receive this, this new way to re- relate to God, and you get this all-access pass to relationship with God and the Holy Spirit living in you to lead you, and it is, it is a new day. And I just want to say for someone in here today, man, it's time. Let today be the new day where you really start leaning in and believing and experiencing life with God that is made possible by Jesus. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for your great love. So much. Father, we just, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that your plan, although it baffles our minds, like why in the world, that your plan was so beautiful and so redemptive and so perfect that we might be in relationship with you today because Jesus came. We're really grateful and we worship you. And we admit today, God, that you, you are holy and, and set apart and, and, and above all else. And, and we are messed up people. So we are just more, more than ever before just grateful to be your kids and in relationship with you through Jesus. And it's in his powerful name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.